For Friday, November 12th, it's the early word from the WNYC Newsroom. Hi there, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson with a look at this morning's top news, the day ahead, and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, Arun Benegopal answers the age-old question, how many rabbis can you fit in a room? We start with a look at yesterday's Veterans Day Parade, just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. Fifth Avenue filled with veterans and their supporters yesterday for the 91st Veterans Day Parade. Soldiers serving in Afghanistan and Iraq, as well as vets from World War II, Korea, and Vietnam were celebrated for their sacrifices WNYC's Kathleen Horan was at the parade and filed this report. It was sunny, great parade weather, especially for November. There was also a sizable turnout, certainly not as well attended as, say, the St. Patrick's Day Parade, but guesstimates have it at tens of thousands. New Yorkers and people from the tri-state area and beyond came out with their flags, of course, but many also held handmade signs that read, Thank you. Carol Allen and her family have been visiting the city this week from Florida. These are all the young people that are defending our country, you know, and that it, they could be doing so many other things. They don't have to be doing this. So it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing to see these people. You know, they're, they're our youth. <laughs> she was one of the many people along the parade route who got choked up as they expressed their appreciation. Army Sergeant Jennifer Ortiz is 26 and has already served three tours of duty in Iraq. She says it's her first time at the parade, and the show of support feels incredible. It feels great just for us to be uh, recognized, to see that we have a purpose, I guess. Um, Not everybody can do what we do. I love it. Sergeant Ortiz also works at a recruiting station upstate in Peekskill. She says one of the toughest parts of her job is convincing parents that the Army is a good career choice, despite the risks involved. Margarita Barrero is a mother from the Bronx whose son has already served one tour of duty in Afghanistan. I know how hard it is for a lot of people out there whose children are in the service now also, so I pay my respects. All you can do is let them know that you're behind them 100%, that you love them, and then you pray hard, good Lord will have mercy and bring them back. Carmine Cedrone from New Jersey was among the oldest parade participants. He served in the Navy in World War II, and his four brothers served in other branches of the service. Right now I'm 88 years old, and I'm the only one left of the four brothers. And that's the reason I come, and I'm really looking for some of the fellas that I was with. I was on on a seagull and tug and a couple other supply ships. In addition to seeing fewer of our World War II vets at the parade than in years past, this year marks the 60th anniversary of the start of the Korean War. For WNYC, I'm Kathleen Horn. The upcoming lame duck session will be the last chance for Congress to repeal the military's don't ask, don't tell policy regarding gays in the military before Republicans take control of the House and the Democrats' majority in the Senate is reduced. Opponents of don't ask, don't tell ramped up the pressure with rallies across the country on Veterans Day. The House voted to repeal the ban earlier this year. Justin Elzey was the first Marine to be discharged under don't ask, don't tell. At a small protest in Times Square, Elsie said he hopes the Senate will use the narrow time frame to make history. If we are truly to call ourselves the, the bastion of freedom in Western society, I think it's time that we 
finally recognized equality for uh, LGBT service members who are fighting and dying for their country. Elsie and other protesters say Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid must include the legislation in this session's agenda for the repeal to have a chance. After lengthy talks in New York, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu failed to break an impasse that has stalled Middle East peace negotiations. After multiple meetings over seven hours, Clinton and Netanyahu said in a joint statement that they had a friendly and productive exchange of views and agreed on the importance of continuing direct negotiations. But there was no sign that the talks, which have been on hold since mid-September in a dispute over Israeli settlement building, might resume soon. A power-sharing deal in Iraq that ends an eight-month stalemate is already showing its fragility as the Sunni minority staged a walkout from the first session of parliament. The deal ensures continued Shiite domination, with Shiite Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki continuing in his post and gives Sunnis a role far short of what they want. New York Governor-elect Andrew Cuomo says more studies are needed before he can support the use of the controversial natural gas drilling technique known as hydraulic fracturing. Cuomo says fracking could potentially create a lot of jobs, but he wants to know more about the risks. And we, we don't have the facts. We have a lot of emotion, uh, but we don't have the facts. And I would not do anything until the facts are determined by bona fide studies. He made the comments on WOR Radio. Hydraulic factoring uses a highly pressurized mix of water, sand, and chemicals to force natural gas out of hard-to-reach pockets of rock. Environmental advocates and city officials are concerned fracking near upstate reservoirs could pollute city drinking water. Meanwhile, Cuomo has chosen his running mate to chair his transition team and established a council of economic advisors. With Lieutenant Governor-elect Robert Duffy directing the transition, Cuomo says others on the team are City Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez, former state controller and erstwhile Cuomo political rival Carl McCall, and Republican Onondaga County Executive Joni Mahoney. Some local lawmakers are opposing Mayor Bloomberg's appointment of Kathy Black as the city's new schools chancellor. At a rally at City Hall, Brooklyn Councilman Charles Barron said Black isn't right for the job. The qualification for chancellor is that you have to have a superintendent's license, you have to have three years of education, and you have to have a degree in education. She has none of that. Black needs a waiver from the state's education commissioner to allow her to assume the post. Barron says he's rallying support to oppose the granting of the waiver. Speaking at Veterans Day ceremonies, Mayor Bloomberg defended his choice. You need somebody that really knows how to manage, and this woman does. This is exactly the right person for the job. I'm thrilled that she is willing to serve, giving every kid in New York the kind of education we want for every kid all across America. The mayor said that Black will be supported by what he describes as a great team of educators as she learns the ropes of the job. What happens when thousands of Hasidic rabbis from around the world get together? WNYC's Arun Venegapal found out at a recent dinner held in Brooklyn. Let us welcome the Shluchim to China, the Shliach to Japan, the Shliach to Laos. How many rabbis can you fit in a room? The Shliach to Nepal. The organizers of the 27th International Conference of Chabad Lubavitch Emissaries say about 4,000. The men, they're all men, had traveled from across the world, 76 countries, and were at last sitting down to a nice meal, some kosher wine, and entertainment. The dining hall was enormous, one of the few rooms in the city that can seat several thousand at once. 
For this occasion, the hall was lovingly appointed and lit to a soft pastel glow. Above the stage was a big photo of the Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. The Rebbe, as he's known, led the movement for decades until his death in the 90s. He's credited with taking Orthodox Judaism global, in part by convincing his followers to live in the most un-Jewish places on earth and to connect with lapsed Jews. For many in the movement, the Rebbe was a charismatic figure, and many believed he was actually the Messiah. Some still do and are waiting for him to return. The room was a sea of black. Men in black suits, dark beards, black hats. Why the hats? Rabbi Mandel Katzman of Omaha, Nebraska, says they serve as an ego check. The hat is a reminder that there's something, a power above the highest point in our being. It's a reminder of God. But clothes also speak to attitude, proof that these men still haven't assimilated, despite decades of living abroad. The, the uniform that the Jewish people kept when they were in Egypt, enslaved for so many years, was one of the magical tools that kept them from assimilating and getting lost into the Egyptian culture at the time, which is a very powerful force. The event was part pep rally, part family reunion. Everywhere you look, there were rabbis embracing each other. Some hardly ever see their parents or siblings and don't necessarily like living in strange, exotic lands, but they stay where they are because it's their life's mission. Rabbi Shlomo Bentalila has lived in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, formerly Zaire, since 1991, despite revolutions and shootings in the streets. About that special mission that the Rebbe entrusted us with, the Lubavitch Rebbe, in 1950, when he took over the leadership of Chabad, he entrusted us to bring back the world to the state before the sin. Rabbi Yosef Kantar runs a Chabad center in Bangkok. He says a lot of the people who come through are former Israeli soldiers who might not have been religious otherwise. He tries to give them a nice Jewish experience, but also experiments with Thai food. This is like somtam, which is like a spicy papaya salad. Gudiel, it's like a chicken noodle soup. They're very different than the, uh, the Jewish style chicken soup. I flew on 10,000 meters on my private jet. The keynote speaker for the evening was Gennady Bogulabov. And I, I think about to build something memorable for Jewish people in Ukraine. Bogulabov's a Ukrainian billionaire who's given millions to the Chabad movement towards its billion dollars in annual operating costs. He has big plans for a giant seven-tower complex known as the Menorah Center. So all of the planes go from Europe to the east, we'll see seven lights. And then the band started up, and all the rabbis in the room rose, and with arms on each other's shoulders, started dancing around the tables until the whole room convulsed. One dancer is Rabbi Mendel Popak, who has a big white beard. I come from Cape Town, South Africa, and I was sent there 35 years ago by the Rebbe himself. And it's wonderful to see how we're all pulling together to do the same mission. And the mission is to touch and to affect with love every single Jew. Finally, the music ended, and the announcer implored everyone to sit down. Most of them did, save for one rowdy bunch which just couldn't stop dancing. For WNYC, I'm Arun Venegopal.
We'll wrap up with the gig alert. I'll look at the weekend music scene. Jair Oliveira deftly infuses samba and older Brazilian sounds with pop. Jair performs tomorrow night at SOB's in the West Village. He independently released his latest album, Sambas. You can download this track from it for free on our culture page. Just click on culture at wnyc.org. You can learn more about all the stories you heard here, download more podcasts, and go in-depth with our reporters on the news blog. That's all at our website, wnyc.org. You can hear us there 24 hours a day, as well as on the air at 93.9 FM and AM820. The Early Word is a production of the WNYC Newsroom, where the managing editor is Karen Frillman. The executive producer is Giselle Regatau. The news editors are Fred Mogul and John Rudolph. The economics editor is Charlie Herman. The web editor is Kathleen Ehrlich. Our arts and culture maven is Abby Fentress Swanson. Engineering by Paul Schneider and Wayne Schulmeister. WNYC's senior executive producer for news is John Keefe. The Early Word is produced by me. From the WNYC Newsroom, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson. Have a great day and a great weekend. <laughs>